Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. We're in week two of our series called Be About It. You can go ahead and turn in your Bible uh, to Nehemiah chapter two is where we're gonna hang out a lot today. We're going through the first part of Nehemiah a lot in this series. We may deviate here and there, uh, but uh, I just want to open up uh, with a quick story today that I read in a, in a book by a, a really well-known pastor named Pastor Andy Stanley in Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, amazing, one of the premier communicators. You might know his dad if you don't know him, Charles Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley, uh, all over uh, the world uh, on TV and on radio. But Dr. Uh, our, our Andy Stanley, he wrote this book, and he tells this story at the beginning of the book, and it was an incredible inspiration to me. Uh, and, and, it, and it really, if I'm going to be honest, um, it, it, it summarizes the heart that I have for Kershaw County, for the state of South Carolina, for you, the United States, and for the church in general. And it does for him as well. And I want to tell you this story. So Andy Stanley is very well known. He's a very uh, large uh, gathering of people that call him pastor through books or messages or go to hit one of his campuses or churches, right? And so he, he goes to him and his son. They go on this trip. Uh, to China, and they're doing some touring over there. And uh, as the tour guide is, is, is walking them around, they meet the tour guide, they're going where they need to go. He's telling them the agenda or the itinerary for the day. There's a young lady that is shadowing or, or getting a job with the tour company. And so the, the gentleman looks at, at Pastor Andy and his son and says, do you mind if she shadows me for the day to learn the system, to learn what happens, right? And so Pastor uh, Andy looks at him and says, absolutely not. It doesn't bother me. No problem whatsoever. So they go on this tour and they're going through all these places. And at, at one of the stops, the uh, tour guide uh, asks Pastor Pastor Andy and his son, they said, he says, hey, do you have any questions? And so uh, they're, they're good. They don't have any particular questions at that time and, and that day. And so as they're, uh, uh, they wait, just a, he waits a few minutes. You know how you do. You wait a few seconds or give a little bit of pause so that people can think of their questions and raise their hand or ask their questions or whatever. And then they, uh, they notice that the, the shadow, the lady, young lady trying to get a job back there, it has her hand up. She says, uh, sir, can I ask a question? And so Pastor Andy says he thought it was kind of interesting that she would ask a question, but she's about to get a job there. So anyway, you know, so he says, absolutely. And so she looks at Pastor Andy, Andy and she says, are you a pastor? Now, I want you to pay attention to where they are. They're in China. It is illegal in those areas. You can be beheaded. You can be killed. You can be made a mockery of. It doesn't matter if you are. So Pastor Andy stands in his book, says in his book, he doesn't know if this is a government plant put there to follow them around or anything. So he hesitates for a moment. He answers the question. He says, yes, ma'am, I am. A, I'm a pastor. She said, I recognized your voice. And he kind of looks at her puzzled. Well, we're in China. I'm, I'm not a pastor in China. She says that somebody cared enough about her life to give her an audio message, uh, uh, an audio recording of a message that he preached. And she says she's listened to it over and over and over again. And after listening to it the second time, she gave her life to Jesus right there uh, in her house listening to his message, right? Amazing, amazing. So Pastor Andy talks about how humbled and honored he is, as anyone would be, right? And so he goes, and, and as he's going through, and she, she goes, uh, 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 sir, and she's asking her boss, she says, can I ask one more question? So he says, sure. So she turns to him, and she says this question. I want this question to punch you in the gut as much as it did me 
And as much as it did Andy Stanley, and here's the question she asked. She looked at Pastor Andy as she talked about this story, right? I'm going to tell you the story and then answer you a question. It's called Building Suspense. Um, so she's telling him after she gives her life to Jesus, she says, it's hard for me to go to church, so I listen to your message on repeat. She says, I went and got a Bible, and I read the Bible, and I've, I've worn the Bible out, and I'm doing everything I can there, and I've given my life to the Lord. She says, but there's no church in my community. She says, the closest church that I know of that I can go to is two hours away. And she says, and I, it takes so much money, it takes almost everything that I make in my job to buy a bus ticket just to get there, and I'm never even on time. Some of you guys can relate with that. And um, <laughs> she says, I'm never even on time, I'm always late. And she says, and when I show up, they're, uh, you know, halfway through worship or something, again, some of you guys can relate with that. And so we get there, and she says, <laughs> I'm kidding, it's okay, all right. You're welcome here. And, um, and, and she says, you know, I get there and I miss a portion of the service. And she, she's telling the story about how much it takes. And she says, not to mention, Pastor Andy, here church is illegal and they call them unregistered churches. And it's an underground church. If the government ever finds out about it, they could kill everyone that goes to that church. And it would not be that big of a deal. In fact, even owning a Bible is, is a huge risk to their lives there. And then she asks this question. Why doesn't everyone in America go to church? Pastor Andy says it, he says it like this. He says, I responded with some very forgettable phrase, I'm sure. He says, but that question has never left my mind. And when I read that story, can I tell you that God took me right back to the very beginning of Radiate Church over seven years ago when I sat in a room crying and praying for this generation. And the Lord told me this. The Lord said this. He said, I need you to rebuild the relevance of the church and of my power in this generation everywhere you go. And then I heard the question again. Why doesn't everyone in America go to church? And if I were to ask you that question, if I were to ask you that question online today as you sit at home, as I could ask you that question, some people would say, it's because it's raining outside and I have a newborn. Okay. And some, some would say, and, and is that a valid reason? Sure. Some people would say, I'm not feeling good today. Is that a valid reason? Sure. I'm not saying that you should come and get everybody else sick. You know what I'm saying? I, I, some of us would say, I work on Sundays. Valid reason, right? There's multiple reasons. There's multiple things that we could say to the question, but that is not what the lady wanted. She didn't want that answer. Here's why she was saying that. She was saying this. She was saying, I love God so much, and he has so ripped me from the bondage of my sin and given me a new life and a new home and the glory and the kingdom of God in heaven one day that I can live with him for eternity. It's not a question of literally why doesn't every American go to church. It's a question of why wouldn't they go to church? It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do it's an opportunity to wake up she literally told him I would go every day if I could because it's an opportunity to learn it's an opportunity to grow it's an opportunity to get around iron and rub against iron and get sharper every single place that we go why doesn't every American who has the freedom to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it we have the freedom to go and cuss somebody out on social media but and we have the freedom to also go to church and lift our hands and worship with no rec uh, no recompense for that we won't get beheaded we won't get killed it's not illegal to do and some of you go well you don't know the government I do but I know the kingdom of God and it doesn't matter that's not illegal she's saying why wouldn't you do it and so Pastor Andy, Andy comes to a lot of the same place that I've come to you get to a place to where you're just sick and tired of finding excuse after excuse to figure out why you can't do something and so there comes a point as you can tell today's gonna be a little hard 
there comes a point where we have to stop talking about it and we have to start to be about it. And see, here's the thing I want to tell you today, and I'm just, I'm just really raw and transparent today. This is coming just an overflow of my heart today. But I want to be real honest with you in, in this moment. I want to be real honest with you today. Can I tell you that living for the kingdom of God is not a hobby? It's not a hobby. It's not something that we do to fill time. It's not something that we do when our team is winning the national championship. And when our team starts to lose, we get mad and we go on social media and we completely just digress on our, me on our message and our witness. Come on, don't get mad. This, this is SEC country. This is college football country. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Some people lost their mind when Clemson won. Guys, I just want to tell you something. It's just a game. <laughs> Calm down. Some of you are walking around going, we won. No, you didn't play it down. <laughs> you didn't throw a football. If you did, you cut your hair since Monday night. It's not, and, and I'm having a little fun, but it's not a hobby. And we treat, and I'm kidding, you, congratulations, Clemson, whatever. But, <laughs> go Tigers. yeah, go Tigers, woo, yeah, whatever. I'm glad you guys can spell while you sing. That's impressive. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but often we spend our life dedicated to the cause of Christ because we had an experience in an altar, but our heart never became the altar. And we treat God as a hobby in a situation. And I want you to feel weight today. Like, my goal in praying this week was this. God, let every single person walk out feeling the same weight that I have to feel every single day carrying the cause of Christ everywhere I go because I'm more visible than you as the pastor of this church doesn't mean that I'm more important than you. It just means everybody now knows and has me in a glass house so that when I mess up and I say something about Clemson, they come after me. And so I want you to understand today as we have a little bit of fun, I want you to hear this. Following Jesus is not something that we get to do when it's convenient. It's not something we get to do when we wake up in the morning and we feel okay. It's not something we get to do. We don't get to serve God whenever it's my timetable because you know what your timetable is? It says that when he will give the desires of our heart, but the first part of that, phrase, uh, that verse is all this, when your heart lines up with his. God, I desire this. Yes, you do, but it's not desire. you're not desiring what he desires. So that might be why we're not getting what we're praying for. You following me today? And so I want to talk to you about this concept today. And it's this phrase. It's a phrase from Dr. John Maxwell, one of the leadership gurus in America. It's this. Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. And I want to, I want to start, I want to say this from the very beginning today. Because I'm not trying to hide anything today. Today is all about getting out of pews, 
getting out of seats and understanding the weight that we carry when we walk into Walmart, when we walk into Food Lion, when we walk into our homes, when we walk into the bedroom of our kids to pray over them, when we walk into the bedroom of our spouse, we carry a weight of the kingdom of God that never leaves us until we leave this earth. I want you to hear that today. Today is all about understanding that being a complacent, Listen, we've come to a place in, in, in life, in America, in church world, let me put it that way, in church world, to where we just embrace lazy Christianity. Listen, there is one thing that Jesus constantly rebuked, and it was a lack of action. In fact, think about it. Before he was arrested and taken to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you go back and you read the story, there were disciples that went with him to walk with him, to learn from him, to pray with him. He looked at his three closest disciples, and he said, you three stay here and guard the entrance. Three separate times he has to go to the rock and look at him and go, why'd you fall asleep? In other words, why are you so complacent in your journey with me that you're bored to death and your eyes are closed and you have no recollection of what's happening behind you? How many of us in our relate? come on, this is good. How many of us in our relationships with Jesus are so bored to death because we've never done anything other than what we did when we were 13 years old, when we went to church camp and we had an experience in an altar, but our hearts never became the altar, and now we're so bored to death in our journey with Jesus that we're asleep and we have no idea what he's doing anywhere else. He's somewhere else, working somewhere else, but just let me sit right here and do this. Listen, this is a challenge to me too. I'm speaking from my heart today. And in Nehemiah chapter two, is in, and ver, uh, chapter two and chapter three is an incredible story of how Nehemiah had, as we looked in chapter one, the heart and the passion to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem back to the beauty in which it was. And can I just go ahead and tell you, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in record time. In 52 days, he rebuilt an entire city. That is unbelievable. A cupbearer to the king rebuilt an entire city in 52 days, a little over a month, less than two months. He rebuilt a city. Now listen to me. Two and three, chapters two and three is how he did it. I want to look at verses four and five of chapters two and three real quick because there's two, two ingredients, and I'm going to hit these fast. Two ingredients that, that indicate success. I'm going to give you two ingredients today that bring about success. The first one is boldness. And we find it in verses 4 and 5 of Nehemiah chapter 2. And it says this, Then the king said to me, What would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Now he goes before the king, the king looks at him and he says, you're, de- you're sad, you're, there's something wrong with you, you've never been sad in my presence, what's wrong? This is a sadness of heart. If you go to the book of Proverbs, you see a verse that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, there's a hope that Nehemiah has in his heart and he keeps putting it off and he keeps putting it off and he keeps putting it off. Now all of a sudden it is making his heart sick and when he goes to his authority, the king, the king can see straight into his heart because his countenance is shifting. Some of you are walking not in a place of defeat, but in a place of deferment. Come on. 
God has put some hope in your heart for where he's going to take you. But you keep going, well, next year or next month or next week or tomorrow. And it becomes a place of procrastination. And you're not living living in a place of defeat. You're living in a place of deferment. And you're not sick. Your heart is sick. And now it's coming out on your marriage. It's coming out on your kids. It's coming out on your relationships. It's coming out in the teams that you serve. Come on, some. I'm preaching today way better than your amen in me today. The heart is sick. And Nehemiah had to get to a place of boldness where he went before the king and he says, I don't want to bring you wine anymore. I've got something deeper in me, something bigger in me. And I need you, listen, if you go read the whole, go read chapter 2 and 3, okay? It's an amazing chapters. But go read chapter 2. It says he asked the king specifically to write laws and decrees to every town that he would pass through, that he would get the timber and he would get the resources he needed to rebuild the wall. In other words, he looked at the king and said, hey, I've been serving you wine for years. Hopefully I've found favor in your eyes. If I have, I need you to provide me with the resources. In other words, I'm just telling you, every single time God ever calls you to do something, the resources are sitting in the pockets of somebody you're connected to. You can get mad. I said this a while back, and I'll say it again. Everything God wants to do through this church and every church across the nation, listen to me, is sitting in the pockets of committed believers that are more worried about paying off Capital One than they are the kingdom. Don't get mad. It's the truth. Everything he's ever called us to do is already resourced if we're bold enough to ask for it. That's why he says, come before me and ask and you shall receive if your heart is lined up with me. But the first thing Nehemiah did whenever he went to the king and he asked the king, the king asked him what he needs from him. Here's what it says he did. He says, I prayed before the God of heaven. It reminds me of a verse that Jesus brings up and Jesus says this, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God before you do anything. And Nehemiah looked at the king and he said, hang on, I got to go talk to the kingdom of God. I got to go talk to my father for a minute, the one that's orchestrating this entire thing because king, you have big plans, but God's got bigger plans and they're in me. I need to talk to him to see what I need to ask you for because if I ask you for the wrong thing, you may provide it, but it won't bring about success. I got to know what I'm asking for. Oftentimes, we'll ask people for relationship that you don't need to be connected to. Come on. You got a soul tie with somebody that God asked you to cut off six months ago. You're mad because that relationship is in turmoil and bringing your life stress. And it's all because you got a soul tie there that you won't let God take care of with the person. That's a whole nother message, and I don't want to get there right now, but... We got to have boldness because here's the thing. Bold faith attracts ridiculous favor. Think about this. A cupbearer had so much favor with the king that kingdoms gave him timber that they cut down. That they were using for their own remodel in their own bathroom in their master suite. And said, hey, I just got this from home office. I mean, Home Depot. Office Depot don't sell timber. I just got this from Home Depot. It's loaded on the trailer. You just, I'll, I'll get the trailer delivered over to the kingdom of Jerusalem over there. I'll get it delivered to the city. You just grab what you need from it. Hey, here's, here's warriors and here's men on horses that'll protect you. Hey, here's money. Here's this. Here's that. Why? Because it was a vision from God building the kingdom of God, not trying to build the reputation of a man. 
wasn't about Nehemiah, it was about the kingdom of God. He was bold enough to ask for the correct things. Bold faith, you need to write that down and know that. Bold faith attracts ridiculous favor. The second ingredient for success, the first one is boldness. The second one is actually the one that I was going to preach on the most, but we'll see. The second one is teamwork. Can I tell you something? The bigger, we often say that we want God to do big things with us, but the problem is, is we, he can't do big things with us if we do it alone. If we do it alone. If you look in verses 17 and 18 in Nehemiah chapter 2, it says that um, he, he was holding the vision to himself. He went around and, and he looked at the walls. He looked at the gates that were burned down. And it says in verse 17, Then I said to them, being the, the Jews and the priests and the officials and everybody that was around in the city that had seen what had happened, it says in verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we're in, that Jerusalem is desolate. And its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. In other words, so nobody else will laugh at us and we'll be irrelevant in their eyes anymore. We're in a bad situation. Verse 18, I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. And then they said, listen to me, this is not Nehemiah now. This is them speaking to him after he tells them what's happening. Then they said, let us arise and let us build. So they put their hands to the good work. And if you go and you skip over to chapter 3, chapter 3, I'm just telling you a little bit, end result, spoiler alert. Chapter 3 is nothing but a ton of descriptions of what every person did to rebuild the wall. This guy made curtains. This guy made stones. This guy was a blacksmith. This person did this. They put the walls up. They put the gates up. They hung the hinges. These people walked with Nehemiah to keep him safe because he was the chosen leader of God and he needed to be safe because he had the vision. These people did this and these people did that. They honored him. They did this. They did that. And it's name after name after name after name. It's, it's, it's job after job after job after job. And no word in the Bible is out of place. So why is that important? And here's why I believe that is important. It's because of this. Not one person has an ability without a purpose attached to it. Nobody. I don't care what the ability is. I joke all the time. I'm not a worship leader. I'm not a worship leader. I got friends that go into traditional churches that are dying and they, 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 call, they, they, they build them back up and they bring back the relevance of that church in the community that it's in. And I love that. They call it revitalization. I love that stuff. But you know what we often have conversations about? They'll look at me and they'll go, I can never plant a church. That is just too much for me. That is crazy, dude. You start with four people and zero dollars, and you got to believe that there's thousands of people locked up in that thing, and God's somehow going to resource it and pay the bills and build a building, and you got to meet in a school. you got to set up at 6.30 in the morning and tear down by 2 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever time it is. you got to do all this stuff. And they, that, like, this is, I'm not making this stuff up. These are conversations we have. But you know what my response is? I couldn't do what you do because I done ticked everybody off, and they done walked out the door on me. Why? Different abilities have different purposes attached to each ability. And here's, here's the thing. Nehemiah was smart enough to go, we got to do this. Nehemiah looked at him, and here's essentially what he said. I'm going to rebuild Jerusalem. 
It's going to come back to its glory. It's going to have relevance again. It's going to be irresistible again. People are going to come back to the beauty of it again. But I can't do it without you. In fact, there was a king that believed in it so much that he used his favors to fund our vision. In other words, he gave up everything he had as blackmail and collateral for every other kingdom. He gave it up so that we could do this. And everybody stood up and said, let's go. Give me a hammer. Give me a drill. Give me a jackhammer. Give me a shovel. Give me something. I got an ability that I can use to rebuild this thing. Go read Nehemiah chapter 3. It happens. Acts chapter 6, when the church really starts to take off. Acts chapter 2, the day of the festival of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down. All these things take place. 3,000 people come to Jesus in one night. 3,000 in one night. The church literally grows overnight from 120 to 3,000 like that. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, why can't it happen today? Right? People are pressing in, 3,000 people. You go to Acts chapter 6, the, the church is beginning to blow up and excel. It grows in the next 20 years from 3,000 people to over 100,000 people in 20 years. In Acts chapter 6, something amazing happens. The disciples, the leaders of the movement called the church, are moving. And all of a sudden, they come to this realization where they go, we can't do this anymore. This is killing me. I'm trying to serve widows. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I can't even preach to people, right? Because I'm trying to do 12 million other things over here. And every one of the disciples are going, we can't do this anymore. And so they go before the church in the day. And they look at him and go, choose amongst yourselves people above reproach of good character, noble men that can lead the works because we need to focus on preaching the word and using the vision that God has for us. It all started in Nehemiah. And in Acts chapter 6, there are people that rose up that were called to leadership and they found out who they were, were one of which being the first martyr ever named Stephen who was stoned to death for his obedience and leadership. There are some of us that are called to be leaders because not because we can do things well, but because we can lead people well. Some of us are called to be on the team. Here's what I believe. I believe all the time God calls leaders and connects abilities to go, you got something in you that needs to be done. I need you to lead folks. Leaders are no better than anybody else. Leaders actually have a weight on them that they're held responsible for the end result of what everybody else does. Where does all that come into play? You know why I brought up Acts chapter 6? It's for this reason. The church began to explode. Why? Because more people were getting involved. Here's how the kingdom works. I'm telling you. The kingdom works and expands when we work and expand. What, listen, your life is not here to occupy time. Your ability is not here to pull you a paycheck. Our ability has a weight and a purpose attached to it that what you do matters. I want to show you that real quick. Pull your cell phones out for me real quick because I know you got them. And that's okay. We don't have a problem with that. He won't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. God don't have a problem with that. Pull it out and pull up. I don't know how to do this. I got a new phone and I don't even know how to work this thing. Pull it out. 
and go to your flashlight mode and turn on your flashlight. Our wonderful, amazing media team is about to cut these lights off. Right on cue. <laughs> now hold them up as high as you can all around the room. <clears throat> now, here's what I want to do. Uh, keep them up. Everybody over here, hide your light. It just got a whole lot darker, didn't it? Hide your light on this side over here. Hide yours. Hide yours. Now everybody bring them back up again. Now everybody put them back down again. Back up. Yoga with pastor. Hold them up. I'm dead serious. And I want you to look around. Your light makes a difference. And it brightens the entire room when you walk in. And I want you to hear this today. Thank you. I want you to hear this today. Our goal is not to build a church. Our, go our goal is to turn a community into the kingdom of God. Can I tell you something? I'm going to. <laughs> Radiate Church has been called to rebuild the relevance of the kingdom of God in this community, in your home, in your workplace. Listen, the church is in a bad spot, guys. The same statistic has been the same statistic for over, 20, uh, over two years, and it's still growing. Over 80% of Americans will not attend church this year. Church doesn't send you to heaven, but it sure connects you with some folks that'll make sure you get there as boldly and as powerfully as possible. It ain't even about that. It's about accomplishing something. 2% of committed followers of Jesus actually give their full 10% every single tithe. 2%. Not even a tithe of Christians tithe. We could end world hunger if just a tithe of Christians tithe. Church, radiate, I just need to declare this because sometimes there's reminders. We are here to rebuild a wall. We are here to rebuild a generation. We are here to rebuild a society. We are here to change mentality. We are here to bring growth. We are here to change everything. If you will fight, if you will work, I can't do it alone. Will you stand to your feet with me and just begin to declare, I got you, I got you. You're not saying that to me, you're saying that to him. Come on, church. I got you. I'm here to tell you, what you have to offer matters. And it doesn't just matter to me, it matters to him. You were not given something specific without a purpose attached to it. We cannot rebuild a wall. And we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. We cannot rebuild a wall by sitting in a chair on Sundays and hoping somebody else reaches the community and prays for them. But we won't. 
Y'all like, where'd this come from? God just told me it was time. Time, Church has become more worried about who we're pleasing than who we're reaching. And I, I am so sick of that. I'm here to tell you, if you'll use your ability, if you'll work, if you'll grab a tool, look at Nehemiah 4, and a sword, and put it to work, I promise you we'll build something in a day that won't, I mean, in in a short amount of time, in a short amount of days, that won't make sense to anybody. But God's going to look and he's going to go, I got this. I see what's happening. My folks that I gave the resources to are putting it to work. They're starting to do something. And I'm not talking about just doing. I'm talking about you do and then you grab your sword. I'm preaching next week. And I'll put this to work as much as I put this to work. What you do. What you can do carries a weight that will change the world. It'll change future generations because of what's happening down the hall at Radiate Kids right now. Your kids, your kids' kids, your kids' kids' kids, kids' 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 kids can forever be changed by the decision that we make today to look at God and go, tell me what and I'll do it. I don't care. I'm here to rebuild the wall back to its relevance, back to its beauty, back to what it takes. I'll carry the weight and I'll love it and I'll take it where it needs to go. I'll quit whining about it. I'll do what I got to do, God, because the kingdom of God hinges on my ability that you placed in me at creation. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just lift it to you. We're yours. You're ours. And God, let us not walk out of here thinking that we don't carry weight and we don't matter because there's not an ability in this room without a purpose attached to it. And so God, as we give our commitment and our lives to you today, I pray we'd walk out of here ready to run through brick walls and take on hell with a water pistol. God, ain't nothing going to slow us down. We may get discouraged and frustrated and aggravated and the devil may try to lie to us, but the bottom line is there ain't no wall you can't break down, no lie you won't tear down to get to us. And so God, as you've called this church to rebuild relevance and beauty and power and impact, I pray that we would all step up and say, I will rebuild the wall. Let us put our hands to the good work and do what we've got to do. Let us be the Acts 6 church today that it begins to grow as we step up. God, we're ready for record time. We're ready to invite, pray, work, do whatever it takes, God. God, just release in us a knowledge of what our ability is and what our purpose is, and let us do that. If you're with me and you're with God in this house, would you put your hands together and say amen? Let's go. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.